Welcome to the One O'ahu Podcast. I'm Brandi Higa, and today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023. We're here with Mayor Rick Flangiardi and joined this week by Honolulu Fire Chief Kalani Howe because the main story continues to be the devastation on Maui. So, Chief, I want to start with you, but before we go any further, I know you're a Maui guy, um, so I just have to ask, are your friends and family okay? Um, we're very blessed and fortunate that my family is, is okay. I have my mom and my three siblings on island. Um, it was actually um, a blessing that my sister was actually visiting with my mom. Uh, so I, I, I felt safe and that my mom was safe. Um, but they're all okay, yes. And did they own property in Lahaina or are they They did not own property in Lahaina. So my mom is in upcountry and my sister's in Kihei. Both areas were threatened by fire, but it didn't get too close to their homes. So they're all safe. And Chief, I know you were boots on the ground the week of that deadly disaster. Um, if you're comfortable, can you just try to explain, one, what you saw, and two, what you saw happening in terms of the efforts in Maui Fire Relief? Um, efforts, like any um, other first respond, all first responders, they're all doing the best that they can with what they have. Um, best way I can describe it is complete devastation. For me, it was hard. I could, you know, I was sharing with Mayor earlier, the last time I went to Lahaina was over 30 years ago. And so my vision of Lahaina, thinking back, it was what I remembered, right? Old nostal nostalgic, um, historic Lahaina town. And to actually go on ground zero and actually drive through Front Street, it was um, kind of shocking to me. Just the, the complete devastation. Um, seemed like there was a war zone and a bomb went off. So my, heart's go my heart goes out to the people of Lahaina because they've lost a lot. And I, I can only imagine what they're going through. Yeah. And for Mayor, to you, what is your message to those in the Valley Isle who are dealing with, you know, like Chief described, such horror and such grief? Yeah, we are heartbroken for everyone. I would tell you, and I mean this in the most sincere way, our prayers and thoughts have been with everybody on Maui and the people and what they've suffered. You know, the um, this devastation is something that I don't think any of us even could have imagined. You might think of a fire sometime, but but not, you know, I've watched so much video that it's, and it's one thing, as I was saying to Chief earlier, it's one thing to experience it in watching video, it's another to be on the ground, and that's what I was curious about, but knowing enough about video coverage, if you will, um, it's almost, is unbelievable to see that, and it's, and it's absolutely tragic, and all you can say over and over again is that you hope those people who are alive and survive this, you know, um, they know that a lot of people are going to try to help as much as we possibly can, however we can, and um, we all go forward together. But the loss, the loss of life, is it's staggering. It's really hard to comprehend. At this point in time, what is our role, the city and county of Honolulu? And Mayor, I'll start with you before moving on to Chief. Well, the first thing we did was when I contacted you know Mayor Bisson right away was what can we do to help? Well, by the time I you know obviously we want to send manpower. By the time I it called. Chief Howe, which really was literally within minutes of talking to Mayor Bisson uh, and assuring him he was already well-planned. It was already to mobilize, for, I think it was 48 fire department, a tactical command unit, everything ready to go. In fact, I think within, again, minutes of that, we were on the phone at the time with Hawaiian Airlines asking if they could fly our guys over the same day, and, and they said yes, and I don't exactly, I think we ended up getting people over there and equipment over there on a C-17. I mean, Chief can embellish that, but Chief was already fully, I mean, I'm so proud of him. I don't want to 
uh, well, I can't say that. I don't mind. I don't mean it's not about embarrassing under these circumstances, but I can't compliment him enough in his leadership, his readiness, and understanding exactly what to do at the time he had to do it. Before we could even say, can you do that? He was already there and, and set to go. Yeah, we were already reaching out to the Maui Fire Department to see what anything that we could provide. Um, we shared with the mayor and uh, Maui mayor and his staff that we are committed. Um, city and county of Honolulu is committed to be in this fight with our, our Maui counterparts for as long as they need us. Because at some point in time, we're all going to need help. And, you know, just strengthening these relationships between the counties and all the other partners is only going to make us stronger. And that's one of the positive things that, you know, throughout this tragedy, you can really see the Aloha spirit coming through. The community is just stepping forward. Even before the, the government entities could come into play, it was the people taking care of the people. And that's one of the things that they're just standing up and taking care of themselves, helping each other. Um, so that was one, one big positive. It's just the law spirit is, is shining through. And what did we send over in terms of personnel and resources? Initially, uh, the request came in. We sent 21 firefighters to help with the firefighting response. Uh, seven uh, incident command, uh, a command team of seven members and our rescue squad of nine um, personnel. And then I ended up just tagging along to just ensure that, you know, our resources were safe, they're being taken care of. Um, so we immediately were inserted um, into the command staff to help the Maui Fire Department just work on um, their portion of the, the incident. And our 21 members were rotated in with um, the Maui Fire Department um, to provide that type of support. Our rescue personnel assisted with the search and re rescue efforts for, to locate and recover um, loved ones that may have been lost. And Mayor, for those who maybe have family out in Oahu um, and people want to fly over, there's an option for them to stay at short-term rentals as well. Yeah, we, um, we relaxed that for 20 days. I, you know, as it turned out, um, we've not had that many evacuees come to Oahu that are, and, and needed that situation. So uh, at the end of this, we're going to go back to what our plan was on, on managing tourism, if you will, and short-term vacation rentals. Um, but... Uh, we wanted to do anything and everything we could, you know, and so it was also an assignment and allocation of police officers. They didn't go right away because they just can't go unless, you know, they're authorized to do so uh, and requested to do so by there. But the fire department went, and, and I think some of our police officers are now there. It was just our sitting around saying, what can we do? Anything and everything we could possibly do, and that was the spirit of the moment. And as Chief just said, you know, in times of adversity like this, you really get to understand who we are as a people. And, um, you know, there has been a really a lot of Aloha spirit. And that's the thing I've been really impressed with is the toughness and the resiliency of the people in Maui. Uh, and the feedback that I've been getting in the, in the stories I've heard, there's that, there's, that, there's, that, um, there's that incredible fierce pride and love of the island and a determination of people to get through this. It's been... Um, it's been very heartening to see and, and to listen to, but nonetheless, this is this is a tragedy that we're all going to process for quite some time. And I think some people still haven't quite got their heads around about just how far-reaching this is, and in that regard, we stand ready for a long time to continue to help in any way we can. I know you mentioned that initial call with Mayor Bisson. Have you been in contact with him since then? Are you contacting him? We, we've had two phone calls, uh, but the rest of it's been through text. In mm -hmm. fact, just this morning, he texted me right before he was about to meet President Biden. Um, no, and I just try to offer him my support because, look, 
as chief as a Maui boy, if you will, so is Mayor Bisson. Mm -hmm. And I've thought myself many times over um, how difficult this must be for him. I've not asked him if he lost any family, but I'm sure he's lost friends. I'm sure he's devastated uh, as seven months into being mayor at what this means for his island and even quite honestly for his administration on the areas of focus. And I know that he went into office with so many plans on things to do, but this is clearly preemptive. And it's, and it's, and it's, it, it warrants that kind of focus. So I, you know, I think for want of a better way to say it, this challenge could not be any greater for anybody in a leadership role. I'm really pleased that, you know, this week the president was in, hopefully the support will even grow more. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of support from really around the world the love of Hawaii, the love of people who've experienced Maui. I mean, it's all very real. So we're just going to have to go for it here. Uh, we're going to need the help from lots of sources and resources. But going back to Mayor Bisson, I mean, I, I don't know what else I could say or do for the man. This is a really difficult challenge for him to shoulder as the leader in that island. And Chief, similarly, are you in contact with Chief Ventura? And, and what are those calls like? Uh, almost on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of it is... Just as Mayor said, just to check up on the person, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they've been going from day one and 24-7. Yeah. So for them, it's all, they also have, uh, they have to care for themselves too, for them to take care of uh, mm -hmm. the you know, Maui Fire Department and the city and county of Honolulu. Just being in that emergency operating center, it's the same faces every day. Yeah. And so it's tough and you're, we, we can come in and we can cycle in and out, but they're there for the long haul. So that's something that you know, should be a concern to everyone to make sure that, you know, they get their rest and their, their respite. As you know, and the other thing so. that, excuse me, sir, but the other thing that needs to be said, and, and I don't want to go down any, any road here on this, you know, but really early on the blame game started. And, you know, so in addition to dealing with a tragedy, and then the, when the finger pointing starts mm -hmm. from a leadership standpoint, that gets really tough. And, uh, and, and understandably, the people need and deserve answers, and it's incumbent upon leaders at times like that to be transparent and open but that also that also whether by innuendo inference or direct statement when people start to point fingers that just makes it that much tougher especially when you know at the end of the day you didn't have any direct cause in this things happen in a dramatic way unprecedented unlikely not enough time to even react and and people want to blame someone for that and um, that's a lot to shoulder at the same time you're trying to problem solve and figure out where you go in the midst of not only devastation but tremendous loss of life uh, and all that comes with that. Uh, the property, as significant as it is, is, is secondary to that. And as of this recording, we're still, I believe, hundreds of people still missing, unaccounted for, um, along with the current debt total. That weighs on you, and it weighs in ways that as um, it's very difficult to even describe, but it takes a personal toll. There's no question. Yeah, but like you said, that's kind of the natural reaction, right? In every yeah. major disaster, then yeah. comes looking for the answers. And are those victims wrong to press there? I mean, it's no. kind of the head that we're. No, I don't think they are. I don't. No, I don't think they are. I think I, I, I get it, and I would, if I were in that situation, I no, I understand that. I, I just I think that as leaders, though, you've got to be able to. Is, and look, these people are exhausted and they hadn't slept and they're suffering from, you gotta be able to handle those situations. I don't, I don't fault anybody for asking questions and the tough questions, I, I don't. 
What I'm saying is that when you're dealing with that and you know it's coming at you, that's even, I'm talking about how you would internalize that kind of interaction. Um, that just adds to the challenge of the moment. But it's not that the people have been wrong to ask for the answers they've been asking for. It's just that whole dynamic, in right. addition to feeling the responsibility of the tragedy that happened to begin with, and what are you going to do about it? That's a lot to take on. That's all. Right. Anything to add? Well, just what Mayor said, the questions that are coming out is what we ask ourselves. We look in the mirror, look internally to see what we could do better, use this as an opportunity for us to improve what we do. And it's something that we've been working on with uh, our, our emergency services to just use this um, incident, how tragedy, it, tragic it was, but to learn from it and to ensure that we can implement uh, or adjust or whatever strategies we have here in, in Honolulu. I know officials have said that, you know, as they're going through this toxic substances like lead and arsenic um, likely contaminated the burn area when you get a fire of this magnitude of that, uh, how hot it got. But that left many unable to return to where they once lived, worked, played, went to school. How long does that kind of material, as, as an expert in this, how long does it take for that to get rid of? Or for them to maybe glue it down or to decontaminate the site so that folks can move into that area? From my understanding, once the search and recovery uh, phase is done, then the EPA would go in to ensure that um, that it's safe for the families to enter. And I'm not sure how long that, that time frame is, but at that point, once they deem it safe with the proper protective equipment, they can go in and, and collect their belongings. Um, and after that point, um, I'm, that's where the rebuilding phase would come in. And I, I, but from my not, I'm not mistaken, the Army Corps of Engineers will be involved in the federal government. So I'm not exactly sure on that, that phase of the cleanup would be. But there is a definite time to yes. that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that seems and, long yeah, and yeah. laborious. Very yeah. long. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Talking five square miles of impacted area. So if you can imagine the cleanup of that scope, right. it's hard to nail down a, a time frame. And it's really unfortunate because the reaction to this has kind of become a national story, right? First with the placards and then blocking the roads in and out and then lack of communication. Um, I guess, Mayor, starting with you, does, does that bother you? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, I, you, you sit there and, you, and we've done a lot of reflection on, you know, what if that happened here? I mean, you, just, you have to think in those ways. But, you know, uh, again, without trying to point blame, you start to see where... So maybe uh, some of the breakdowns occurred and the ramifications of that, and you you don't want that to happen on your watch, and you start to think about, uh, you know, as Chief just said a few moments ago, you know, if I did everything I can, well, this has forced us to think and talk and already begun to act like making sure, um, you know, we, uh, we're really prepared and not just think we are. Uh, and look, I mean, this was such an incredible event I don't think anybody ever there could have imagined it, but nonetheless, it just shows you that no, none of us are ever safe. Anything can happen. And those are those moments when you want to be at your best. You don't want to hopefully ever have to second-guess anything. And hopefully, in incredible circumstances like this, that somehow, some way, through preparation, you, you made all the right calls. That's the best thing you can hope for, and that you've done the best under that circumstance. We see it everywhere now, right? Maui Strong. Uh, Maui looking to rebuild, but I just want to know how we move forward from here. I'm sure, um, you know, our guys here in Honolulu know Maui firefighters, or you yourself know some. What are you saying to your department right now for, and then the guys there, just everyone that has seen something like this? How do we move forward from here? 
Well, you can just learn from this experience. Um, people are just wanting to help and, you know, it's, it's hard to just hold these people back because there's just so much help wanting to go over, but it's just the coordination of all these um, individuals wanting to go and help. Um, just, just telling our, our staff to just stay positive, do what we can do at our, our own home front. When Maui calls or any other agency or county calls for our help, we're just ready to respond. Yeah, that's early, yeah, Brandy. It's, it's, it's really yeah. early. We're still in the midst of this. Yeah. There's so many, you know, there's so many things to be dealt with, right? There are, there are funeral services. There are people grieving. There's still people missing. People hoping those people somehow will miraculously show up. There's all these situations financially with respect to homes lost, where people were, the ownership of those homes or whatever, and all the other things, families displaced. All 13,000 residents in Lahaina was displaced. I mean, just think about it in terms of kids and school and all of those things and all the other impacts and how they've had to recreate. It's early on right now. Yeah, it is a recoverable event like all things are in time. I don't know right now and moving forward as much as people are just trying to process the reality of it and figure out what this means for them. And I think quite honestly, a lot of people are in shock. And I can, I can, I can tell you going back to 9-11, which was you know, an incredible, horrific event, um, that when I was in New York right after, within days of it, because of the stuff that we were doing, we had to bring in grief counselors and, and, and I saw people undergoing that kind of treatment for quite some time. Um, and even though in the carnage there wasn't necessarily a lot of bodies per se because of what had happened, the people who were there who had experienced on the ground, people helping, the people who were affected, I mean, this is a very human process full of unfortunately a lot of sorrow and sadness and uncertainty because people have had their lives turned upside down. So it's kind of hard right now other than to say that, you know, conceptually we'll, we'll go forward, but there's a lot of really difficult work right now and people just getting grips on life, especially those who have lost family and friends. I mean, I even think about, not to trivialize at all, any person that's been lost, people grieving over their pets and stuff, that's a story unto itself. People were able to survive and all this sadness it takes time to work through that. It really does. And Chief, have you spoken with any of the firefighters that are currently working on the Valley Isle that, like Mayor said, you know, they're still trying to process this, but yet there's still the duty to do? Right. I had some of my classmates that I, I spoke to. None of them were Im directly impacted, but they share the stories of their, their co-workers and what they've lost. Um, it's just shocking, even even for those that didn't lose their homes, but it was actually on scene. There was some really heroic stories. Um, they did the best they could. A lot of them are still impacted um, physically and mentally. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward, is there anything we can do for, for these firefighters on Maui, whether it's, you know, helping with the mental health resources or even, you know, giving them some kind of respite or, or anything that we can do? You know, it's a great question, and I would hope I mentioned again with grief. Some people are going to need some some counseling on this, and 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 they're just going to rethink a whole lot of stuff and just work through it. I, I think I think the thing is to be aware and to say stay sensitive. I know, and I don't want to speak for Chief Howe certainly, but I, I know that we stand on call, ready to supply men and women uh, to help physically with whatever happens. I know that um, in talking to Doctor Island, Jim Island, in charge of EMS here. 
Uh, right now, they've not been required, but at some point, we may be sending EMS people over there as well. I think we'll try to help with the human condition, human to human, if you will, as much as we possibly can. But I don't think anybody should um, This is mistake the fact that this is not something that you easily shake off. This really does take time. We have to be sensitive to that, and people have to be really sensitive to what people are going through. You know, I've said this before in my life as I've gotten older. There are a couple of things I've really learned to appreciate. One is that people fear differently. You know, what might be frightening to you, I might not think twice about, or vice versa. But people, I've learned to respect how they fear because it's genuine and it's real. And the second thing I've learned, and having seen a lot of grief, if you will, is that people grieve differently. And so you never want to pass judgment on how somebody is. And it's really difficult to try to ascertain just how deeply somebody can be affected by this, you know? And, um, and that's the stuff that just, it's just going to have to work through it and be respectful and try to help as many people along the way and to try to be as understanding and as resourceful. I do think, I do think, and I hope I'm corrected, a lot of resources are going to come into the area and it's going to help at some point here alleviate, um, you know, some of the, some of the loss, if you will. But what, what people work through and how they work through it mentally and spiritually is going to be a journey. Chief, with what folks have been seeing on Maui, um, it's natural. But here on Oahu, folks are a little on edge, too. We've had some recent brush fires flare up. And I know that your phones have been going off the hook with people just, you know, what do we do? How do we know when to evacuate? What's your message to them? Well, um, we, we have... Um processes in place with uh, with our partners with with HPD and also with our DEM that when the need arises and we have to execute an evacuation we have the relationships and the processes in place to to do so uh, I do want to add though with the conditions that were present in Maui that's something that it was the perfect storm mm -hmm. you know with with the weather conditions with um, the red flag warning the relative humidity the the hurricane coming by the dry fuel load, it was just something that, you know, I'm not even sure if they had all of the systems in place that we could have prevented the, the you know, the incident from happening, but it, you know, that's just, it's just tragic. And we're trying to do everything that we can and working with our partners to ensure that it doesn't happen on our island. On our island. Um, we're looking at everything. I know we've reached out with our DEM partners, uh, with HPD to see what we can do to improve anything that we can to make ourselves better prepared yeah you know yeah. we can't look at maui as yeah. uh the one-off if you will what happened yeah. there and it won't happen to us i mean you look across the mainland right now and there have been a lot of a lot of uh brush fires all over mm -hmm. in fact mm -hmm. the state of washington all the way up and through canada it's the second time you know it wasn't what a what month ago or so the smoke from the fires in canada was so strong it was bleeding down into the United States and I mean, saw pictures in New York City where you you know and and now up in Western Canada in Washington I saw some video uh, last weekend of of you know people in, in in Vancouver looking at a horizon that looked a little bit like almost like Maui I mean from the city not that far away I mean it's this is something we are now going to have to be on full alert and that's why the phone is ringing off the hook and the concerns and I've had numerous text messages and people ask me about high grass and mm -hmm. what are we going to do about it and what state what's federal what you know 
what is what is the city's response? But what can we do? Um, I think we all have to um, we all have to adjust to this, uh, and and we need to do some things here on Oahu that are very purposeful to help um, to help better prepare, if you will, um, our, ourselves in the event that anything crazy could happen, and we've just seen that. Yeah, and I know you were talking earlier about, you know, this is really a tough time to process and, and we're still in the thick of this. So it's difficult to talk about moving on. But in some sense, I know a lot of people here on Oahu feel almost like a sense of guilt, right? Like we want to be doing more. We want to be helping. Yeah. There was a lot of good intention donations where, you know, a bunch of clothes and food was gathered. And, you know, like Chief mentioned, sometimes the coordination's not there. So we got we to gotta put, you know, pump the brakes a little bit till we have that coordination in place. But when can we move on with business as usual without feeling guilty because there's only so much money I can give or physical donations right. I can give. Um, you know, wh- what what do we do here on Oahu? We're in this weird holding pattern. Well, I think that, you know, um, from that standpoint, we're not going to lose sight of the folks in Maui and their plight, but life does go on, just as it's going on in other sections of Maui mm-hmm. uh, as well. And so that is part of the human spirit and the human condition. But we should not lose sight of the suffering that's taken place and whatever resource we can go. But I think we owe it to all of those people in the spirit of, of life going on is that's what we need to do. It's just this is a tough lesson learned. And, and I think here in Hawaii, because nobody that we know on this planet, because you've heard every reference been that's been more than 100 years, you know, nobody's ever experienced anything like this. A very real disaster was tough enough going through COVID and being challenged by a disease that locked us down and did all the other things that it did and created its own sense of threat to one's safety and, and well-being. This this did it in such a horrific way. So I think we retain that. We understand that's possible. It's no longer impossible. It's now part of our consciousness. But we go on with our lives. We go on with our lives because we have to go on with our lives. I, I feel it's difficult because, you know, our our community that we serve doesn't stop at our shoreline. In in Hawaii we're we're all one big family and I think that's what made it difficult for more people. For some people I know some one of my chiefs is actually from Lahaina and his mom was one of those affected and he just shared his story with us in, in our cabinet meeting today. Um, and all we can do is just stand in the re- at the ready. Whatever they need, we'll just be ready to respond with whatever the request that they have. Did his mom make it out? His mom made it out okay, but she was in the thick of things too. Yeah. Yeah, it's very frustrating for him being on this island and he shared his story and his frustrations on not being there and he wanted to, the day after, he wanted to go on island, so it was, it was kind of tough for him, yeah. I think the biggest thing is we don't forget. Yeah. We, and we don't forget them, you know, um, and we just keep it like, Chief just said, on the ready, should we be asked if we can do something? Um, but, um, you know, uh, life has got to go on. We can't, we, 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 we can't stay stuck. It's, that's just not good. And uh, I don't think that'll be the case, but we need to be ready to help any way we can. And Chief, I know your time is valuable. So is there anything else you want to add? No, um, our, our hearts and minds go out to the people of Maui and all the families that were affected. Uh, their loss was tremendous, but, you know, I want them to know that we are committed. I know Mayor and, 
and all of the resources on, on Oahu and all the people on Oahu, we are willing to go when, when asked and we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, this is an incredible period of adversity and, and in some ways it strengthened the Aloha spirit. It certainly strengthened that sense of togetherness, togetherness. As Chief just said, we're all connected. It doesn't end at the shoreline. So we all feel this. Um, and, um, and in some ways, getting back in touch with that strength of connection and love for each other is a powerful, powerful thing. So in the midst of all this incredible adversity, um, there's some things going on here that are really very special that are gonna help us on a going forward basis. Well, Chief, thank you for your time. You're welcome, thank you. And thank you for listening. If you have a question for Mayor Blangiardi, Chief Howe, or any of the departments here in the city and county of Honolulu, you can submit your podcast questions by heading to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And until next time, aloha. <laughs>